Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Monday Memo. Now often I see and hear finance professionals and leaders talking about adding value, but when they're asked perhaps to describe what that value is they, they're looking for, they actually find it difficult to articulate. They don't have a simple way of looking at the value as a leader and so they can't necessarily help their teams think about delivering genuine value as a result. So how can we help finance professionals and finance leaders define what value creation really is? Um, well, when people in finance or outside of finance talk about value creation, I begin to think of good old fashioned water, H2O, because have you ever tried to grab at a substance like water, right? It can be quite tough, uh, but also the value of water can change depending on the context, just like the way our value creation activities can change depending on the context within our organizations. So what do I mean by that? Uh, for instance, consider a person who say has a nice lawn and they wish to keep it clean and green uh, and not red and dead. So they might have a water sprinkler system uh, attached to a hose pipe or whatever to water their lawn and, and the value they put in activity, well, what is it? It's probably going to be the same as drinking water from their own tap. They probably wouldn't give too much thought or too thoughts about it. Now, let's say that same person later that evening goes to a restaurant and rather than ask for tap water with their meal, they instead plumb for a bottle of still water, a Perrier or Evian, for which they might pay a couple of bucks, uh, dollars or euro. So in effect, you can see they might value that a little bit more uh, given that context. And then let's say then maybe a couple of weeks later, they've headed off on an African safari and after a long trip to their hotel, they fancy a bottle of water. Now, if you think about it, if they didn't quite trust the water coming out of their hotel apartment tap, what do you think would they pay now for a bottle of water, even relative to what they paid in their restaurant two weeks previous, right? They'd probably pay a bit more. And now let's say finally, they go on an excursion out into the desert and in the rush to get out there, they forgot to bring with them some water. So 12 hours into the baking heat of 40, 50 degrees Celsius, well over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, um, what do you think then would they pay for just a bottle of cool, refreshing water? You know, given that context, probably again, a good bit more. So as you can see, the value of the same substance increases depending on the context you find yourself in. And this is completely understandable because when it comes to value and value creation, it's a very subjective area. And the beauty is the old saying goes is in the eye of the beholder and it varies depending on their context. So regardless of the context, whatever happens is that beholder, the eye of the beholder, they're always making decisions based on what they see in front of them and around them. Um, given what they want and what they have. So those decisions in effect come in the form of having and wanting questions. And if we can help them solve or start to solve, begin to add value and create value for them by solving those have want gaps, should we say, then we're starting to begin to create value. And the great thing in finance is that we've got this really great privileged access over the years to decision makers. We've got this terrific view across the full play of our organizations. Uh, we've got access to the numbers. 
right? And we've got these great technical skills to start stitching together and comprehending what the value is we could potentially go after and capture. So value creation in a simpler form is just simply about helping and influencing our organization to make better decisions over time, which then improve the numbers over time. And this is consistent with the traditional NPV financial format approach that we probably covered on our training, you know, which essentially states we make decisions that increase our cash inflows. We make decisions that decrease our cash outflows or our leakage over time. And one that I think we often miss uh, is to actually reduce the relative risk involved when making decisions around closing have want gaps. And this context um, has also you know, been changing a lot over, I suppose, since we started the profession maybe 4,000 years ago. And particularly in recent times, it's, it's moved on a lot. And that's why I show this particular diagram with this video. Um, some of you might have seen it in my presentations, but essentially it's a timeline and how rapidly the accounting and finance profession has been evolving the last couple hundred years. Whereas back to ancient Babylonian times when we had sort of more agricultural power, um, say 2000 BC, when we were inscribing our financial records on clay tablets. Um, and you know, there probably wasn't as much pressure to add more value because the environment wasn't changing as much. But then, you know, we developed, we did take that time, let's, let's be fair, to develop compliance, uh, keeping track of the financial data, taxes, transactions, answering questions like what's happening now in the business. Um, I, and I suppose if you think about it, we weren't really forced to evolve much beyond double entry accounting until maybe the first industrial revolution, which started in the 18th century, where our muscle power agricultural type industries became more capitally intensive. And then there was a second industrial revolution when we moved to uh, scientific management and mass production techniques. And then, you know, decades later, there was the arrival of personal computers and networking technology, uh, technologies, which some people called um, the third industrial revolution or industry 3.0 and those revolutions forced us to step up quite rapidly into more controllership type work you know uh, the methods we now use and take for granted in financial analysis uh, deconstructing various rates of investor return as they were putting more capital behind the the kit the machines the facilities to drive the economic growth we had to develop cost accounting techniques for mass production variance analysis uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, spreadsheet software started making an appearance and we've been using Excel sort of ever since. It was never really there before. But these tools allowed us to step up our controllership activities and analyze things like why did things happen and ask questions and keep on top of what's happening now. So we were adding incrementally more value to the business. And nowadays, you know, we've arrived at a point, some would say the fourth industrial revolution or industry 4.0, which is about using enhanced cognitive power to augment what we're doing as human beings. And it's opened us up to deliver advisory at more scale and to help answer questions that support those decisions or have want decisions around what might happen, what can be done. And one way of capturing that value even of asking the question of how can we make it happen? You know, so we're now at a point in our profession where we're racing ahead 
of maybe our conservative past and you know maybe that was because of our own reluctance to invest um it could just be part of our dna our nature but if you think about terms like finance business partnering or fpna they've been around since the 1960s yet we actually still haven't fully adopted them in the way we approach the business so that does concern me a bit in terms of we've had visionaries within finance and accounting they pointed us the way but you know we need to be careful that we're not uh, as slow as maybe what we've been traditionally um, um, but we also need to give ourselves credit as well that there's been a lot of rapid change and it wasn't particularly in our nature to change as fast because you know what if we don't step up to the mark and we don't understand how we can create more value in our organizations other departments will step up we have these privileged assets we've got that visibility access to decision makers access to the numbers those technical skills to break it down you know um other or departments will step up and take our place so look we have a great advantage comparative advantage let's go use it and that's why we bring on guest mentors to the strength in the numbers show because they can share with us and and our audience their stories their hard-won lessons how they've practically figured out how to leverage those value creation assets um, create uh, and actually capture more value for their organizations and ultimately um, their experiences can help us understand how we can leverage our own strengths in the numbers faster have more fun uh, contribute and be more influential solving meaningful problems for organizations so we win from a career perspective and our organizations win from us delivering the value they employ us to do in the first place so look i hope you enjoyed this episode if you did please let your friends and your colleagues know i'd be curious to to hear in the comments what you think have we been traditionally slow at grasping value creation or are we even doing enough at the moment and uh, don't forget to subscribe we're on all the major platforms itunes stitcher soundcloud and youtube and really appreciate investing your time with us today so until next time take care of yourselves and let's keep on building our strength in the numbers